So today I'm gonna to teach you how to analyze opportunities and their risk profile. The fun thing about what we do is it applies to all industries and all opportunity types, whether you're investing in a new system for your business, a new employee, you're buying an asset, let's talk about real estate. You can use the case study that we're gonna talk about here and apply it to whatever you're looking at. It really comes back to risk or reward. So quite often in real estate investing, high risk quite often will lead to high reward. Case study in point, you have a property in a not so great area of the city. On paper, it looks like a cash flow is amazing. You can increase the rents, you can renovate it, and then you could refinance it. Amazing. Take another property in an amazing neighborhood. Doesn't seem like there's a lot of cash flow because everybody obviously wants to buy the property with the lower maintenance and everything else on it in that other neighborhood. So you're looking at the two and you're like, well, no brainer, I'm gonna buy the property in the rougher area of town, but what you don't realize is the vacancy rates may be vastly different. The property that cash flows a lot more, let's say $2,000 a month, so 25 grand a year, actually has a 25% vacancy rate. And the property in the other end of town, those people are never leaving or haven't left in a while and likely your vacancy rate is like three to 5%. So there's one thing. Second thing is the amount of phone calls that you get. In the two properties, quite often the ones with a much higher cash flow have a much higher hands-on experience. A lot of people that have invested in real estate would know this. The ones on paper that look amazing don't always end up being so. Quite often at Prime, we try and stick to a product that we will stand by and is a great long-term investment. We're not really a burn and churn brokerage. Hence why quite often when we're looking at different opportunities, we're not just looking at cash flow. Because in my opinion, that's kind of an entry level way of looking at real estate. And I've seen this pan out on properties where I've seen two on paper, the one that looked amazing from a cash flow perspective, ends up getting destroyed by the solid fourplex in a great neighborhood where other things are happening that you know the 24 grand a year doesn't really matter because after two years, you bank $48,000 less your expenses and everything else that you spent managing the properties, dealing with the vacancies and whatnot, but let's give it to them. Let's say they kept every penny of that and they got 48 grand in their pocket. Go to the other property in the other neighborhood where the rents are much higher, the maintenance of the property is a lot lower, maybe you're not getting a knife pulled on you, and because of the appreciation of the city, that asset goes up $200,000 in value. These are real case studies that we see on a daily basis. One was on the market for eight months, overlooked by everybody in the marketplace, got it under contract with our clients, they did a little bit of work, changed out some tenants, got some great, great, great lipstick and rouge done to the property, but the timing was everything and they bought it in an area where there were macroeconomic things happening that it was a no-brainer. Versus some of the other properties that I've seen cash flow an insane amount and I've talked my clients out of buying. Mainly because our clients are a very specific type. They're looking for somebody to bring them opportunities that they don't have to think a whole lot about and you know, more of a set it and forget it mentality where our property manage management is in place, you know, the asset, the analysis, everything's done internally at Prime and then we give it to them because in my mind, my clients that are investing their hard-earned capital that they worked so hard for are sitting on a mega yacht somewhere in Bora Bora just looking at a deal and flying by it. But I can send that same deal to somebody else that is just in the weeds in the market and it doesn't hit their pro forma or profile because it doesn't cash flow on paper like they wanted to. That same client will go and find an off-market deal that was shopped around and passed up by all the people that are shopping the off-market deals that ended up on their lap. Seems like a no-brainer, buy it, get that knife pulled on them, have all these other things happen to them, and yeah, great, they're making some cash flow, but long-term, was the risk worth the reward? When we do our analysis, we're looking at a much more complex analysis than just cash flow. Now, cash flow is king. 
because if you have cash flow and the market fluctuates, you can hold on to that property forever and it's gonna pay itself down. So our rule of thumb is sell cash flow positive properties, but our job is to find the diamonds in the rough. Look for the intangibles that you just can't find anywhere else and we stick to a specific product type because we believe in that product type and the deals that we pitch are typically vetted seven ways from Sunday. Even the new construction and the pre-development stuff that we have, we look at the outfits that are behind them. We have other developers and builders that approach us with pre-launch product that we don't necessarily sign up because it's not ideal for our client base. So take everything that I'm taking here in a nutshell, let's apply it to hiring an assistant, right? You can have somebody on paper that looks absolutely amazing, but are they going to be? And you know, are you just gonna take a risk locking them down to a contract for a year without really knowing how they work versus taking a risk, maybe paying somebody a little bit more, bringing them on, working through that relationship and seeing how you know, they fit into your organization. Take that same application, look at a stock or somebody gives you a tip. Investing is investing, investing in people, investing in communities, investing in real estate, the stock market, Bitcoin. All of these things have inherent risk profiles I think the best thing I can tell you is you need to understand what your personal risk profile is. Real estate investing is an incredible opportunity. Some people that I know that are very hands-on do amazing with those properties where they have to go there and deal with all of the issues that I was talking about and they'll make a lot of money doing it, but it's not necessarily for everybody. Some of our clients are the CFOs of very powerful companies. They don't need another job. They don't want to call from a property manager. They just want to know that they bought a solid asset in a good neighborhood. It's being managed for them and get a call two years later saying, hey, it's worth X amount more and I have a buyer for it. And we're doing that legacy product. One of my favorite things about some of the organizations we work with in real estate is they adapt, but their core models stay strong and they just fluctuate depending on where the market's at. Obviously, we're in the middle of a very different marketplace today. So the advice we're giving our clients is very different. But I've also had conversations with investors recently about this exact topic. So I know the sentiment is out there. There's an amazing guy I just talked to last week who had a couple deals and said he appreciated us talking him out of this one deal that he thought fit his model. And then he did another one that on paper looked great, ended up being brutal and wasn't exactly what he wanted. So you know, take a step back, have a team, have an idea of what your risk profile is. Don't be afraid to change it because that's something people get stuck in as well is they just say, this is my model and I have to stick to it. If you're in it and you don't like it, it's all right, you can change and there's somebody else that that is their model and you can profit from that. One last little bonus I'm gonna give you guys on this is to explain how we look at selling a property, right? So if I bring an off-market deal or I send it to my database and I've listed the property and I'm representing the seller, you need to understand that I'm gonna try and get that seller the most money humanly possible. Now, if I'm pitching it to my investors and I think it's a good investment opportunity and there's still upside from what we're selling it at, even if we're hitting a market price, there's a reason for that. And you have to dig a couple layers deep to see what that is. But if you're somebody that gets a deal from me and says, Justin, I want you to bring me your property 20% under market value, you probably don't want me selling your properties because if I'm bringing you somebody else's property that I have under contract, 20% under what I can actually get for it on the market, what am I gonna to do to you when I list your property? Are you gonna be happy getting 20% under market value? That's my fiduciary duty to my sellers. There's a great builder developer I was just talking to about this where I have a building that we're selling and I know what we're gonna sell it for. We had a chat about it. He buys at very high cap rates and I was like, it's worth what it's worth, man. I know you wanna buy here, but I fight for my clients, but that's also why he has me sell his product. So think about it that way, right? And if you're a seller out there 
and somebody approaches you to sell your property and maybe you know not go to market with it or whatever else, there's probably a reason for that. Doesn't mean you have to hire me, but do your homework. Get a couple people to tell you what they think it's worth. And if you were happy getting 25, 30% under market value, go for it. I don't really care, but I do wanna educate the market that if somebody's bringing you deals off market, well under market price, they're not representing the interest of the seller, which is fine. Because we do that as well from the other side of the transaction where we'll get somebody that doesn't wanna list the property on the open market and they know we're representing our buyers. So we're trying to get our buyers the very best price and those buyers are under contract. So it, kind of getting into the weeds a little bit, but the whole premise is fiduciary duty and a signed contract to a seller means I'm fighting for the best conditions and price for the seller. Same thing for the buyer if I'm repping the buyer. If I'm double ending a transaction involved in both, then I have to have a very clear path where I show them this is how I came up with the list price, this is the market value of it. Give it to the buyer as well and be fair and open and honest with all parties about all information, hide each other's you know, private information and conversations from each other because that is a very big part of just the fiduciary duty and confidentiality you should have with your realtor. So if I'm coming to you and I'm wrapping both sides, I'm telling you, oh, he needs this closing date. I'm not supposed to tell you this. Again, red flag. But if I'm saying, well, this is the data, this is what I'm doing from the buy side and I'm representing you independently from the conversations I've had with the seller, then you can make your decisions and feel informed. But it's a more of a wormhole. I'll go down in a different episode. We'd love to know if you got any value from this. Hit that like and that subscribe button. Ask any questions you want. I'll do a follow-up video on this and hopefully help you in your investing journey.